KYW Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is one-on-one. My biggest thrill is having the opportunity to spend the time I spend with our players. It's not always the most talented team that wins. It's the closest team. To me, it's finding the right guys for our, our team. I get excited when someone feels ready to, you know, come on and be part of our program, but I'm, I'm more excited about what the future holds. And our guest this week, St. Joseph's University head baseball coach Fritz Hamburg, a Hawks, one of the top squads year in and year out. Coach, thanks so much for stopping by. Appreciate you uh, having me here, Matt. So let's talk about as we're talking here, it's the end of summer, end of August. Uh, what are you doing to prepare for the 2019 season? What is, uh, what's at the forefront right now? Well, Getting some of the guys healed up. They've been a lot of guys have been out playing uh, in the collegiate sanctioned summer leagues uh, across the country. So it's been uh, really fun to watch those guys throughout the summer. Uh, we obviously have a busy schedule with the recruiting, but um, you know, really, and I, I, we're excited for the new guys to be coming in. So uh, the guys will be rolling in this week and this weekend, and uh, we'll get into weight training and conditioning and crank up some team-building stuff, and then we'll, we'll begin practice the middle of September. So now you're a native of Doylestown, correct? I am. I, I was grew up early in Hatboro, and then my folks moved to Doylestown when I was 12. What is your earliest baseball memory? When do you, when do you first remember it becoming a part of your life? Well, before organized ball. My dad uh, played in high school, and uh, he actually played football at Temple, but uh, he was a catcher, so he started grooming me when I was young. But, I mean, I can still – Still remember our first T-ball game. Uh, it was on the Celtics. <laughs> we beat the Bullets 17-16. <laughs> I caught, and that was probably the most exciting game of T-ball behind a plate. After that, I wanted to move out of there because giving the ball to the umpire wasn't so much fun. But uh, I've always enjoyed uh, you know the catching piece, and it started uh, when I was very young. So when did you start to realize that baseball was something that you were going to be able to have be a part of your life maybe longer than – than most people when you're growing up? I, I guess I never thought that it wouldn't be more so. Um, baseball was just at a very young age. I was lucky to grow up in a development where we had a lot of a lot of young guys that we used to play all different sports, and so baseball was a big piece of it. Uh, my dad was very passionate about it, and um, quite frankly, I, when I was uh, four and a half, I had open-heart surgery and uh, had the surgery at St. Chris's, and uh, baseball was kind of the one sport um, – that uh, I ended up having to get some stress tests and was able to play football later on. But uh, the baseball piece was something that never I was never hampered uh, physically to be able to, to play. And so, uh, ironically, the catching piece was probably the one position that um, probably should have been in the outfield. <laughs> but um, that being said, I mean, it was just baseball was always my passion. I loved football, um, but at the same time, too, I, I just it was was kind of – really passionate about baseball and the catching piece. I really loved catching. What led to the heart surgery? Was it a I was a born sickness? that way. Really? Yeah. yeah, I had tetralogy of and which was uh, there were four different areas that needed to be corrected. So it was pretty extensive, and fortunately I was kind of on the cutting edge when, when things – that operation uh, became a success. So, um, But, yeah, it was, it was something I had to get checked out every year and sometimes more than once a year, but um, – once I got to ninth grade, like I said, I passed some stress tests and so on and so forth, and I was able – I wanted to play football. All my buddies were playing football. I played soccer because of 
the, the contact piece. Um, but anyway, once I was able to do that, the football and the baseball piece were really my passions. So you go to originally, I think, Virginia Tech to play baseball, but then you went to Ithaca I did. for the I Mighty tra- Bombers. I did. I transferred uh, after my sophomore year from Virginia Tech and uh, was really, really fortunate to to end up there uh, at Ithaca and to play for George Valiseni, who just recently retired. And um, it was a terrific experience, part of a national championship team my senior year, but the lessons that were taught and the experiences that I, I had there may be the most memorable of my entire sports career. What's that like to be a part of a team that wins a national championship? What was that run like? Honestly, I think we were so just caught in the moment that it was, I mean, we were elated when we won, but it was kind of sad when it was over, especially too for me as a senior, uh, because I knew that would be the last time that I would play for Ithaca. Um, But I think what's cool now is, is that the, how we stay in touch and we have reunions and, um, but the experience itself really, um, I guess, without being cliché-ish, um, you know, the journey is greater than the end. Um, and winning it on the championship day was very surreal. But the things that we remember a lot was what went into that. And those are the things we talk about, not necessarily the championship game or, uh, you know, that culmination and finally, you know, winning the whole thing. Although it was great, but I think all the thing, the time that we spent together and the hard work that we put in, um, it all culminated with the championship, which kind of solidified everything for us. And you were a catcher exclusively throughout I your was. playing career? Yeah, I was. I, I pitched some in high school, but then, you know, I was once I got through high school, I solely caught. And you got a, a cup of coffee in the Phillies organization, right? Spent a year at Spartanburg, if I'm That's not mistaken? Correct. Yeah, I was there in 1990, played for Mel Roberts, um, signed as a free agent, actually a year after I had graduated from Ithaca, um, Signed out of the Bridgeton tournament. I was playing down with the Philadelphia Stars, um, and uh, Joe Romano signed me. And, uh, yeah, it was short. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I think the Phillies gave me a great opportunity. Uh, at, the, at the end of the day, my offense was short. And, um, you know, so that's how it goes. But I'm very grateful for the opportunity that the Phillies gave me, and uh, it was certainly one that I, I think very fondly of. Was coaching always something that, was kind of in the back of your mind that whenever the playing journey ends, that's where I'd like to go? Or was it, my playing days are over, what's next? I would say it's the latter. Um, for as much as I was engaged in the game as a catcher, it was when I was playing, it was always about playing. I, I never really kind of looked at it being um, the end, you know, end of the road. I knew it would happen, but I wasn't thinking about what's next after. Um, and so when I finished up, um, I ended up, I ended up getting, I got released, and then I actually coached with uh, Lee Severio, who uh, is now over at Chestnut Hill, but uh, he was the head coach at Cheltenham. Jumped on with him for a year and just realized that I wanted more more time to work with guys and, and it kind of get back into the college deal. So that's when I went back up to Cornell and worked a lot of different odds and end jobs just to be able to coach, but that's where it started. And um you know, so that was, uh, I guess, the, my first year back up there was uh, 1992. Did it immediately feel right, like this is where I need to be in, in, when it comes to coaching? Yeah, um, I think it was a lot closer. I think as I've gone through uh, my coaching career, the, the time spent with the programs has changed greatly from when I started. 
uh, we're able to to spend a lot more time with the guys. Uh, and you know, the joke is is that we could always use during the season. We'd say, "Hey, listen, I can't." I'd say to my wife, "I can't. I can't do this. We're in season." But now, it, the whole year is in season. <laughs> we're just doing something different. Um, but yeah, that, that's um, it, it. Absolutely felt right. And and at this point, I mean. I, I've lost track. I think this is my 28th or 29th year in college baseball. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I certainly – I always think about what might be next. But at the same time, too, my my uh, my love is still for working with the players and, and helping to, you know, further their careers on and off the field. Prior to taking over at St. Joe's, you were at the U.S. military. Kind of, You were first an assistant, then associate, if I'm correct? That's correct. That's correct. What were the challenges at – a service academy uh, when it comes to recruiting, putting the pieces of a team together, because it, it's a whole different animal than in most sure. college situations. Sure. Um, well, I think that the, the biggest challenge is finding young men and women that are interested in taking that path. Um, and so we had to, we had to cast a much larger net. Um, I think the other thing too, because we recruited nationally and I know, I think it was after my, I think it was my third year there is when I shifted my recruiting pretty much west of the Mississippi. So um, spent a ton of time in Texas and uh, the southwest and, and bounced through the central part of the country. Um, but I think finding guys that had some sort of military in their, in their family, whether it was a grandfather, and, and so there's a connect there. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot of kids at that age that really understand what they're about to go into. Um, but I can tell you that the, the, the guys that we worked with that, that made that commitment, uh, I, I can th- think confidently say they're very happy that they did. And it's one of those, one of those journeys that evolves as you go and you, and you really understand and appreciate the decision made to take that path and, and the service for all our service people. Um, what an honor. And uh, we should be so grateful for what they do. So it was, it was an interesting Interesting recruiting, um, but I still stay in touch with a lot of the the guys I coached, and um, it was just keeping it was it, it was a lot of attention and just making sure that guys because there were there wasn't one guy that at some point in time didn't want to move on from the academy and don't you know for our guys uh, maybe there were a few but most of the guys at some point whether it's in basic training or in the grind of it it's it's a different deal for sure. But uh, certainly had the utmost respect for what those guys and, and women went through. And, um, you know, they learned how to time manage and, and really maximize what they need to do to, to be successful. How does St. Joe's come on your radar? 2009, I think you took over? I got here in, in August of 08. So 2009 was the first year, uh, first season. Um, so, well, I had known Sean. Pender and Sean reached out to me and said that he was was looking to make his move uh, over to Cincinnati, and um, you know he had talked to to Don DeJulia and Jim Brown, and um, he knew I had worked with Sean in some camps uh, during the off season and uh, asked if I would be interested. And uh, I honestly didn't didn't know with where my path had taken me whether I'd ever end up back home here in Philly, um, but in my discussion with Sean told me, look, there's a vision here and, and things are going to be changing for the program and it's something that I think would be worth your while to look at. And so that's what happened. And fortunately, uh, uh, Don and Jim had me in for an interview and they felt like I was the guy and I'm thrilled to this day that I, you know, I've landed on Hawk Hill. 
So when you take over, what was your first order of business? The program had struggled for a while prior to you coming in. What was what was the first thing you wanted to, to grab hold of? Um, it was really getting a feel for – it was very different than, than – probably maybe the biggest adjustment was for myself. Uh, moving out of the academy style, you know, the, the, the way of the day there um, and moving into um, – you know, back into a civilian school um, and getting my, my hands on understanding how everything worked at St. Joe's. And it was different because, you know, at Army, everything was right there in the ballpark. You know, everything was, it was, it was very, very easy, the transition of things. And at St. Joe's with us in, in the fall, we would practice. We had to set the schedule up to practice over at Haverford College, which was great that they were willing to give us uh, field time. Um, and then really getting getting acclimated to our indoor space, which was significantly different. Um, but even not having a locker room, not having an, like an area for the guys to congregate to, and, and so there was just a lot of moving parts. Um, and even the you know having to get in vans and drive over to Norristown, and and uh, but I looked at it as is. Look, this is what it is, and we're we're going to work here. And I think one of the things I really I first started was really trying to instill you know, discipline and direction and commitment and, and team. Not that that wasn't the case before by any stretch um, because there were plenty of hurdles that the program had, had gone through uh, in, in those years um, just because they played at so many different fields. Um, and just in general, um, the university, they you know, they had made a commitment to move in a really good direction, which is I think we're, we're pretty close to that now. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just kind of took took a step back, got my hands around things, and then, uh, but really tried to to push the discipline piece and and kind of working for each other. And um, you know, it was we still had our challenges, and I think we had some moments. I know our 2010 season. Uh, you know, we were in the hunt for the A10 tournament, which we had never been uh, right up until the last weekend. So that was the closest we had gotten, and then. Uh, fortunately, we we cracked through in 2012, and um, that was our first year at, at Smithson Field and on campus. How much? Because you you mentioned discipline a lot. Having the experience of West Point, I mean that it just a perfect complement to to what you're trying. I mean, I can only imagine that experience has to be invaluable sure. when you're coming in and taking over a program like that. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think biggest thing that. I learned and, and I felt like I, I was – I had decent leadership qualities, uh, but being at West Point, you're going to learn the best. And so I was fortunate to to have that experience. And even, you know, I wouldn't say that when I got there, my first couple years, it was it was rough. I mean, and I, I look back on, on some of those years and wish there were, I could have done some things differently. Uh, you know, and I've, I've talked to our players about that. Um, you know, because I think at times it was I was so hard on them that they, they there was just no freedom to what we were doing, and um, but I still maintain contact with a lot of the guys, even that that are you know retired general or I'm sorry retired colonels, um, and those guys, and we talk about uh, the military training and the leadership style uh, and how it changed, how how things have changed. But I continue to try to learn to try to help our ball club. Um, you know, that way. So the discipline is important, and I think it's important for any program. Um, 
you know, the expectation and what we all we are all asking our our student athletes to to carry out is the the, the the way the message is delivered is really important. One of the things about college baseball, because it's always I don't know, frustrates the word. I feel like college baseball in this area should be bigger than it is from a media standpoint, from a fan standpoint, because it's good quality baseball and such. But I don't think people appreciate the difficulties in this part of the country. And I, when I say this part, I mean basically Virginia yeah. North Correct. of of competing on the Division One national level. And it really it starts something as simple as the weather, right? Right. No, there's no doubt. Um, I don't know that that will the, the start of the season will ever change, but I think if it did, it would certainly help all of us. I think it would help the Big Ten schools. Although Michigan had a tremendous run this year, um, but um, I think it would make a huge difference because we're playing in temperatures of, you know, sometimes we're playing, playing below freezing, and it's just not conducive to. You know, baseball is a slower, methodical game, and to sit out in in those temperatures as a fan, um, it's, it's not it's not awesome. It's not awesome to play in. Um, so, I think if if that would be certainly one thing that I think would help the college game up here, and I also think too, if as the season pushed back, if you had the opportunity, programs had the opportunity to have lights. And they ran the, the programs a little bit more as our basketball programs run, uh, where there is, you know, there, there's actually a fan base and it's run like a, a minor league deal the way basketball is. Um, I think it could have an absolute chance. But I also, too, recognize that we are in, we're in Philly and, and, you know, professional sports is far, I mean, it's not even close. So, but I, I certainly think the hard part is, is trying to even get our student. Uh, student base involved more and I think we could all say that for all the schools here in the city I think we're always trying for sure but it's not like the SEC where you've got you know great weather you've got your students in session and and they have a devoted fan base because to them that's that's like their professional team and I think from a competitive standpoint you know because I start pretty much every season with a long Sure. Road trip down Absolutely. south, obviously, to get games in before the weather. So I know, you know, in a lot of cases, maybe you, not you, but an East Coast team comes home two and eight, and to the layman, oh, that's not very good. Correct. But you're thrilled because you, you played 10 quality games, you won two of them on the road against a team that's been outdoors for two months. And it, people, I don't think, appreciate the uphill climb Northeastern baseball favors. I don't want to make excuses, but I think this is on the table what well, you're, the challenges you're facing. No question, and that that's always been a challenge. And I think, I mean, when when you look at it, I'm looking at our schedule next year, and I think we play uh, 19 out of our first 20 games on the road. Um, and you're right. I mean, if you if you really assess the northern schools and their rec- overall records, you know, if you're if you got 30 wins, 30 plus wins, you you've had a really good year um, because you've obviously won some games early in the year against some of the better teams uh, or teams that have. Like you said, been out outside and getting up to game speed earlier. That's the biggest adjustment that we all have to make once we get outside. And it's you know, yeah, we can we can do certain things indoors, and we're lucky now with the turf it's missing that uh, we can probably get out five to seven to eight times before we open. Um, but it's still hard with the cold. It's hard to run arm you know pitchers out there uh, early in the season and having them go live in those, those temperatures. So you're still missing that component when you when you open up. Um, 
And again, you're always the visiting team, right? For the most part, unless you're playing in a a weekend tournament that uh, you may be a home team one one game. And then, not to mention, once to see once you kind of get into warmer weather, for a lot of the rain we get here, you're trying to get a a rotation. You got your weekend guys, and I know there have been certain seasons where everybody. It, it's hard to focus on trying to line your pitching up when you're just desperately trying to get a game in. You know, it's tough. I think uh, the the biggest one of the other big hurdles that we have is there. There are, I think, I think coaches are looking at it a little bit differently. But one of the things we're not privy to is playing midweek games early in the year, so we have to make those up. So we end up playing Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday. So you're playing five games during the week. Along with go, the, your guys going to class and having projects, test papers, short on sleep, um, and that catches up to you. And um, that's where I think some of the schools in the better climate they have. You know, it's it's laid out perfectly. You got 14 weeks. You got three games on the weekend, and you play 14. Uh, you know, 14 uh, midweek games. Play one midweek game. It, it lays out perfectly for teams that can do that. But but up here, we're not able to. Time to take a break here on One on One. We will have more with St. Joseph's University baseball coach Fritz Hamburg right after this. It's the smart look at the issues catching fire in Philadelphia. Flashpoint. What we have is a crisis. This goes way beyond just the perpetrator. You know how many times I had stopped people in front of my house from shooting up? It was a moment where black and brown people on the margins got to say, no, we've been hurting. I think we forget that you came from somewhere else, too. Host Jerry Gregg walks you through the flames on air Saturday evenings at 930 and Sunday mornings at 830. Or search the Flashpoint podcast on the radio.com app. And we're back. Our guest this week on one-on-one, St. Joseph's University head baseball coach Fritz Hamburg. So when you're recruiting, how difficult is it to overcome those challenges when you've maybe got a kid that is a, you know, a kid that can go a lot of different places? How do you sell him on bringing him into Philadelphia to play college baseball? Well, for for one, I mean, Philly's an unbelievable city. Um, and it's also the focus, too, on life after after college baseball um, you know we're, we're trying to look at it from the standpoint that this is this is an academic athletic decision but this is a lifelong decision uh, and I can certainly tell you that I feel our network at St. Joe's is extremely strong uh, and so that's a big part of our selling point is it's uh, you know we've had fortunately had guys now that are playing professionally. So that is, a, that is, if guys are good enough, that is a, an opportunity. But I also think, too, is, is that people recognize that there are plenty, plenty of guys that want to go to school around the city. Um, and like I said, we're in a great lo- location between New York and D.C. So there's, a, there's so many different pluses. And then, then we have the Jesuit piece. Um, you know, the faith piece to St. Joe's is, is uh, I think, a really important piece to, to our kids and also to, to their families. So there's an there's an awful lot of good to sell, and and our ballpark is is you know in so many ways it's it's a great ballpark, and from the time that I got here back in 2008 to where we are now, it certainly is to to walk a, a young guy and his family around campus, and they get to see Hawk Hill and and um, uh, you know just just learn about the school, it definitely is 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 on people's radar more often. Since you've taken over, I think I've got seven. You've had seven kids drafted in the baseball draft. I honestly, I don't. 
It may be. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I should know, but I don't. I, I'm just glad that guys are getting an opportunity to do that. When you bring kids into the program, is there a part of you that you kind of have a feel that, you know, if this kid progresses like I hope he can, mm-hmm. this is a significant opportunity. There's a legitimate chance that this is going to happen. Or do some of these kids come in and you think maybe they can be a piece and they blossom even farther than you thought they would? Absolutely. Uh, there's 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 guys that that are absolutely we have in our mind that they should be moving on, uh, and then it's our job to develop to help develop them. Um, but then there are guys, yeah, that 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 you know, not everybody can be on scholarship, not everybody's going to start. And um, but the one thing I think that we have found is is that the opportunity we we tell our guys all the time the opportunity is there. Your job is you go out and. And compete and fight and, and work your tail off every day. It's going to be hard, especially if you can swing it a little bit offensively. If you can do that on the mound, if you get people out, you're going to pitch. So that sometimes we've been right, sometimes we've been wrong. We've had we've had guys that are not scholarship guys that have been in the starting lineup and done a great job for us. And um, you know we've had guys that we've been right on um, that have done you know done really well. And then there's some guys that just haven't panned out the way that we thought. And that's. I think every program can speak that, you know, for that. Um, but, you know, we're, we're constantly, we can't fill the team with those guys. It just, it, 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 you know, there's a lot of different moving parts with that. So, yes, we are trying to form a, a ball club and a program uh, where there is the pieces come together. And, again, there's going to be your centerpieces and there's going to be your complementary guys. And hopefully when it all comes together, it's, you, you're excited about what you have. How much pride is that for you, for the staff, for the program, when you see these kids go off to the next level and in pro ball? I, I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm very proud, uh, but at the same time, too, I'm, I'm most excited for, for the young guy uh, to get the, to start to chase his dream. Um, I feel like, I think we've had one, maybe two guys that have come into our program that have been drafted out of high school. Um, and the rest of the guys who have gone on to play were not. So I think we've done a, a, a very fair job of developing guys. And, and not only that, but I think we've had some fairly high draft picks. Um, so, uh, but I, I, I think from that end, and I think this just as a coach, it always has to be about the player. That's just how I feel. I, I, this, is, this is not about me. It's, it's about me helping. It's their time. Uh, I'm just fortunate to do what I do and and spend the day with the guys that I do to try to help them, you know, further their 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 course, their journey, their dreams. And so that's I guess that's what I'm most proud of is, is I know that feeling of signing the contract and having that opportunity to go play because it's very different. It's you know, pro ball is way different than college ball, and um, there's a lot of things to adjust to when you get to that point. But um, it's it's neat, but equally important, I will tell you, is is for the guys that don't that go on and do great things and get great jobs, we're equally proud of them too because that's every bit as part of this this journey at for us at St. Joe's with all of our guys. You're the winningest coach in program history. I think you're at 256 wins. Um, you've won at least 29 years in a row. And we talked about you know how a number like that. What are some of the games, moments, when you think to your time on Hawk Hill to this point that kind of jump out at you you know, wins, or maybe not even wins, but just moments that really stick out? 
I think winning the Liberty Bell Championship, uh, you know, that's a great experience that we really try to stress with our guys. Um, and a lot of them have an understanding. Maybe they played in, in the Carpenter Cup. Um, so they, some of them have played in the, in the semifinals or the finals. But, you know, you never downplay the opportunity to play in a professional ballpark. Um, so those, those games, those, those three championships that we've won there, um, I, I don't know, maybe some of the more memorable ones, unfortunately, are the ones that, that we missed on. Um, you know, we lost a tough one uh, in the 2012 tournament to Dayton that finished up at 1.15 in the morning in, in fog and thought we had, we had the game won and didn't. Um, you know, we had, a, we had a huge walk-off against Dayton at our place, but I don't know if there's there's necessarily. I don't know. Some coaches can remember. Mm-hmm. It seems like every pitch. Um, there are certain things I, I certainly remember. Uh, I remember when we we beat Xavier to get into the tournament in 2012. That was big because Xavier really had a good club, and you know we were toe to toe with them, and we, we ended up winning and, and getting in. So that was great. I guess I guess when it when it all comes down, I mean it, there's. <laughs> through the years they all kind of are starting to I don't want to say blend together um, but there certainly are special moments um, that we've had I think it's more so I don't know if it's the wins it's more so the individual performances sometimes it helped with the wins I mean I remember Jimmy Yacobone is thrown against Xavier in his last uh, home series with us and I mean he just completely was awesome and just it kind of came into his own so that that was really awesome to see and um you know, and obviously, you know, Dion and, and, and Brian O'Keefe and Timmy Brennan, those guys are all playing now, but we've had guys before them that did really, did very, very well that, um, two had that opportunity. The 2016 team and the 2014 team, those were our most successful, and they were a lot of fun because they were teams that were driven by the seniors, um, and, and the upperclassmen and the leadership piece really gelled, and it was fun to just, you know, unfortunately, we we fell just short of winning the championship there. But uh, those those seasons are what you kind of work towards as a coach because you want to see that for your guys. What is the toughest position to recruit, in your opinion, in college baseball? I would say right now, pitching. Um, I think pitching is a challenge um, because, unfortunately, the decision that that young guys are making to commit to schools as early as they are. Um, I mean, I guess I get it, but I, I think it makes it difficult because uh, oftentimes for programs like ours um, where you have to put down a substantial scholarship offer, there's a lot of risk there. And those guys, if you go get them that young, they're going to pitch a lot, and you just don't know what you're going to get when the guys get to school. They could be overused and and, and break down, and you know that's it's, you can't just say, "Well, you're hurt. We're moving you on." That doesn't work that way. So that's the hard part is is is, is trying to be able to get guys where you know some some schools will re, you know rely on seven, eight, nine pitchers. Where I think over the years we've probably had twelve. 11, 12 guys that have um, really uh, been part of the year's pitching staff. Um, so we have to kind of match up a little bit more as opposed to having three dominant arms. Um, I don't know that we, since I've been here, we've had three 
quality weekend guys uh, at one point in time. Guys have gotten better and, 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 and matured as they've gone through their, you know, their time here. But that's probably the, the biggest, biggest challenge, I would say. Have you changed at all as a coach, you think, from when you started till now? And I don't just mean that St. Joe's since you started as a coach to now. Has your approach changed at all? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think, I think you have to adjust based on your personnel every year. Um, so I think a good coach does that. And uh, there have been years where we've been more of an offensive, you know, power club where we've, we've hit more, more doubles and more home runs. I think right now we're trying to maybe get some more speed and balance that out and be able to put pressure on teams. And we're trying to, we're trying to do a little bit more with our pitching staff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, you kind of have to look at, you, you don't want to keyhole yourself into only being one style because then it gets easy to defend against you too. So, um, you know, when, when you go back, I think what's interesting is the parity in the A-10. There's been very few teams that have repeated as champions in this league, and it's the, the teams that have won it have been pretty spread out. I mean, there's been, I want to say, six or seven or eight teams that have won it in my 11 years. So, um, you know, that's, that's one of the, I think, a really, really cool thing about the conferences is it, there's a lot of parity, and anybody can win it on any given year. And final question before we wrap up, what is your favorite part of being a coach? Is it game day? Is it the recruiting process? Is it practice? Is, if you had to kind of put your responsibilities and your activities in a depth chart, what would be number one? I think I enjoy game day the most. Um, but I, 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 there's no question in this. It's, it's, my biggest thrill is having the opportunity to spend the time I spend with our players, uh, whether it's skill-related instruction, whether it's team building, whether it's just talking with them, whether it's them, you know, us talking during stretch or playing music and dancing. Um, I just enjoy that part of the relationship because I think it's so important. It's not always the most talented team that wins. It's the closest team uh, that, that hits on all cylinders. So I, I would say that part of it, I mean, recruiting is part of the business. I, I know some people get a great thrill about you know, being able to recruit certain guys. Um, to me, it's finding the right guys for our, our team. So it's, it, I get excited when someone feels – is ready to you know come on and be part of our program, but I'm, I'm more excited about what the future holds uh, for our staff and for 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 the young men that come to, come to play for us. St. Joseph's University baseball coach Fritz Hamburg, thanks so much for stopping by. And thank you, really appreciate the time. And that will do it for another episode. One on One is an original sports podcast from KYW News Radio. If you like this show and want to help us out, make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And you can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at One on One Pod, and you can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon Ten Sixty. Thanks to St. Joseph's University. City head baseball coach Fritz Hamburg for being our guest this week. My name is Matt Leon. Come back next week for another conversation with someone you should know more about.